All right, Jabosei, good morning, good morning. Let us begin with a beautiful daf ahead of us today. Begin by thanking Baruch Hashem, all of our, all of our sponsors for this, for this morning share. To thank our Talmud Torah sponsors for Tishrei, Dr. Linda Weinberg, Sarah and Ricky Gratz, Julia, Rina and Eve in loving memory of their husband, father and Zayda, Dr. Paul Weinberg, Paris, Moshe, Ben Avram, David. To thank Ayala and Sarah Steinberg for dedicating the Shurim this month in the Schlusser of Fuashalema for Shulamis Bas Susha and Amin Yudit Ben Zev for dedicating the Shurim and Joshos this month in the Schluss of all of our Tfilos being accepted. Our week of learning sponsors, Sayyid and Simahagen for the Refuashlim of their granddaughter, Talia Miriam Bas Orli Yehudit. To thank Greg and Rachel Levitan, commission of the first yard side of Greg's mother, Esther Bas Herschel. And then honor of Renewal, the organization Renewal, helping to facilitate kidney transplants. Incredible. To thank our Dafyomi sponsors for today, Bernard and Varda Birnbaum, in creation of the yard site of Bernard's mother, Esther Fagel Basyehuda Leib. We hope that in the merit of our Talmud Torah, all of the Neshamas will have an Aliyah, the family Zainachama, and all those who require a Refuah should have one together with Kol Chole Yisrael. And mostly with that, let us begin. Today's Daf is Daf Peches 88. And we are picking up in Yerat Hashem on the bottom of Pei Zayin Amad Beis, 87b at the two dots. Eid Echad Mi'ida Shehi Perua. So again, just to, just to reorient ourselves with this, with this phrase in the Mishnah. So the Mishnah said as follows, Eid Echad Mi'ida Shehi Perua. So what was the case of an Eid Echad testifying that the Ksuva was paid? So Keitzad, I'm just quoting to you from the Mishnah for just a moment. Haisa Ksuva Elevzos. Woman had a ksuva, Rachel. Rachel had a ksuva of a thousand zos. Va'amrallah, hiskabalt ksuva seich, or ksuva seich. Ruben says, I paid you. I paid you already. Vihi omeris lo hiskabalti. She said, I did not, I never received the ksuva. I'm just reading to you from the Mishnah. Ve'ed echad mida shi perua. And an eid echad claims, no, you did receive it. So what's the halacha? Shabbos says, so now again, she's claiming, I never got paid. He's claiming, I pay, husband, I paid you. And an Eid Echad supports the husband's claim. So what's the halacha? Lotifra ela b'shvua. Ultimately, again, she's repaid. She, she could collect with a shvua. Good, that's the case. So it says, Digimara, Summer, Rami Barakam, Lemimar, Shvua, Doraisa. Rabbacham, so says, what's the nature of the shvua? What's the nature of the shvua? It's a shvua Doraisa. It's a biblical shvua. Dirsiv, lo yokum Eid Echad b'shlechol, avon lechol chatos. Torah says, an eight echad cannot go ahead and generate an avon and a chatos, which Rabbi means what? Eight echad cannot generate punishment. Cannot generate punishment. But what, in, what can an eight echad do? But an eight echad can generate an obligation to take an oath. See, see what Rabbi says, it's the Torah itself that's telling me that an eight echad has the ability, the capacity to generate the shuvah. Amar mar, and Mar said again, I will say any situation where any situation where Allah and to aid him would ultimately again be Mechaiv you mamon require you to pay money. An Eid Echad can't require you to pay money, but an Eid Echad can generate a Shibua. Therefore, I will say, therefore, therefore I will say what's happening over here is as follows. Ryan Bacham is coming along and saying, This Shibua that we make the woman take in this case where she's claiming, I never got paid, Mike Suva. Husband saying, yes, you did. Eid Echad saying, yes, you did. Now she has to take a Shavua. The Eid Echad is causing her to take a Shavua. Da'oraisa. Good. Savar. I'm sorry. Amar Rav. Rav said, Shtit Shubas B'davar. Rav said, there's two problems with this approach. Number one. Chada. Tichal ha'nishba'in shabbatar nishba'am v'lam ha'shalmin. 
They both say in general, when it comes to a biblical oath, they both say biblical oath is used for what purpose? Not to cause a person to pay, but ultimately what? To exempt a person from paying. In other words, that's when you're taking a shvua. You're taking a shvua to absolve yourself of responsibility. That's what a biblical shvua is. Here, what is the shvua doing? What's the shvua doing? Allowing her to collect. So the Gemara says, So that's number one. We'll say, furthermore, in general, we never have a shvua when there is a matter of denial of a monetary claim rooted in karka, rooted in, in, in real property. Again, a technical issue. When it comes to ksuva, when it comes to ksuva, this is a financial matter that is rooted in real property. Why? Because remember again, the ksuva lien devolves upon the entire estate of the husband, including real property. Therefore, Rava comes along and essentially is saying, I'm, in other words, I want to be clear, Rav is not disagreeing with the Mishnah. In other words, the Mishnah's psak is, she's claiming she never got paid from the Ksuva. Husband says, yes, you did. Eid Echad says, yes, you did. What's Talacha? What's Talacha? Shvua. What Rav is arguing on is Drami Barchama's premise that the Shvua is a Shvua Da'oraisa. This is not a Shvua Da'oraisa. Rather, Ela Amarava Midrabanon. This is a Rabbinic Shvua. This is a Rabbinic Shvua. Why? Kadei Lahaf is Daito Shalbal. Rebbe say, because here, here's the issue. The issue is really, if you think about it, we have the husband's claim, an Eid Echad. But again, in order to go ahead and put the husband's mind at ease, that she's telling the truth, ultimately we minister a Shavua. So therefore, Halach HaLamayi said, this is a rabbinic Shavua. So the Gemara says something very interesting. The Gemara Papa says as follows. Tap of Pechas. They both say, if the husband is a smart guy. If the husband is a smart guy. In other words, so the Gemara says, if the husband essentially wants to utilize the Halacha, to, to his benefit, what could he do? See, I will say, what's the problem with the Shavu Darabaran? What's the, what's the problem? What's the only problem we could come up with? A person might, take, might not take a Shavu Darabaran as seriously as a Shavu Daraisa. It's been rumored that sometimes people cut corners with rabbinic law. Right? It's been rumors. We have a friend. Right? So, we'll say, so again, with Daraisas in general, people are much more vigilant. So therefore, again, now that we've downgraded this Shavuot to a Shavuot Drabanan, okay, so it comes along the Gemara, comes along Rav Papa and says, by the way, there is a way to transform this into a Shavuot Daraisa. This is actually very interesting. How do you do it? Listen to this. So here's what he should do. He should go ahead and pay her her Ksuva, pay her Ksuva, ultimately, again, in, well, first of all, I say, let me just point out, what is the difference between a Shavuot Darabanon and a Shavuot Daraisa? So, of course, simple difference is one is biblical and one is rabbinic. What, look at Rashi. So, we'll say, first of all, a Shavuot Daraisa uses the name of God. A Shavuot Darabanon is not. Furthermore, the Oche's Sefer Torah, the other. And we'll say, when you take a Shavuot Daraisa, you hold the Sefer Torah. We'll say is a klala. Right, what does it mean a klala? Klala means like essentially the shvodrabanan is you know you should be cursed if you're if you're lying if you're lying. Okay, I, I can live with that. You know, in other words, we'll say so again a shvodraisa again shem Hashem holding a sefer Torah. So you could see already you could see already 
how you've upped the ante with a shvodai. So there comes along Rapapa. Rapapa says there is a way to transform this situation into a shvodaraisa. How this is fascinating. Watch this. So Yavlik Subasa Ba'ape Khad Sahada. So here's what you should do. They will say, husband, so okay, so this is Ruben and Rachel. So again, j- just to highlight the case over here. Same case. Ruben is getting divorced from Rachel, got divorced from Rachel. Ruben says, I paid you the ksuva. Rachel says, no, you didn't. Eirechot says, yes, he did. Yes, he did. Now watch this. So what should you do? Here's the strategy. Pair the ksuva a second time. Pair a ksuva amount a second time. In the presence of another singular witness. And what happens? Now you have two witnesses, right? What do the two witnesses both agree to? That he paid her the ksuva. Right, two witnesses, witness number one and witness number two. And I will say now establish the first payment, not as a ksuva payment, but rather as what? As a halva, as a loan. Now what does that do? Take a look at Rashi. Wow. They will say, watch this. Watch this. This is incredible. So the Rapapa suggests as follows. If the husband wants to create a Shavuot Daraisa, so go ahead, pair her Ksuva second time in front of an Eid Echad. Okay? Now you have two Eidim who both say, Husband went ahead and paid her her ksuva, right? The first aid, the second aid. And now what? Say, you know what? The first thing I paid you wasn't your ksuva, but rather again, it was a loan. If she now, if she now claims that there was never any lending of money, this now creates a shivua da'oraisa situation because ultimately she's denying a loan. So denying the loan now is a different kind of case which could generate a shivua da'oraisa. Says the Gemara, that's very interesting, but here's the problem. Maskifar of Shisha, Basra. How can you combine the first eight and the second? They both say, why not? Why not? They're testifying about two different things. They both say, remember again, in this case, what is the first eight testifying about? What is he testifying about? About the original payment, right? And ultimately, again, what is the second eight testifying about? The second payment. You can't combine Edom like that to form a testimonial unit. Ella, they'll say, so again, again, Papa, you're right. You just have to tweak it a little bit. No, no, no. Pay her Ksuva a second time. Pay her Ksuva a second time. And pay her in the presence of who? The first witness and the second witness. In other words, take the witness who supposedly saw the first repayment, right? And go ahead and bring them both together. And what happens? And same idea, establish the first money he gave her as a loan. As a loan. And then Rabbi will say, if she denies the loan, then ultimately that could generate a Shriya Okay, very interesting. She says, one second. Ultimately, Rabbi will say, but she can still claim. She can still claim that there are two Ksubas. In other words, He'll say, is there the possibility that a husband gave his wife two ksuvas? Sure. Otherwise, we'll say, you can give your wife whatever you want. So Maisa, maybe she'll claim, ah, it wasn't halva, it was a ksuva. So the Gemara says, Amr Avashi, Hudemodla. Hudemodla, who? Obviously, this whole thing only works. Halacha, Maisa, if what? 
if the husband tells the Edim what his strategy is with this. Okay, now let's say bottom line for our purposes, just to stick to the Mishnah, just to stick to the Mishnah. Ultimately, again, in the Mishnah's case, she's claiming, right? Reuven divorces Rachel, he claims, I paid you the Ksuba. She says, you never paid me the Ksuba. Eid Echad supports the husband. Yes, you did pay the Ksuba. Say, what's Talacha? What's Talacha? She takes a Shvua. Now we understand what kind of Shvua? Shvua Drabanon. Shvua Drabanon. I was there seen a Shvua Drabanon and a Shvua Doraisa. Again, very important. The Shvua Drabanon effectively is just a Klala. Not, not just, but it's a Klala. Versus a Shvua Doraisa, which includes the name of Hashem and ultimately the holding of a Sefer Torah. Incredible. Let's go weiter. Minichasim Mishubadim. So we'll say the next section we had, Minichasim Mishubadim. So remember again, here the Mishnah said, what's the case, I'm just quoting to you again from the Mishnah, what's the case of Nechassim and Shubadim Ketzad? Machar Nechassim Lachir, and we'll say, here's the case. Ruvain sold his property to someone else, to others. V'hinifras min halakuchos, ultimately again, so we'll say, now here's the case. Ruvain sold off all of his property during the course of the marriage. Whether he divorces her or dies, it's the same halacha. Now she wants to collect her ksuba. So she can go and collect her ksuba from properties sold over the course of the marriage. But if she does so, she can only collect it with what? With what? With a shvua. That's the case of Nechassim Mishubadim. Says the Gimar, Tanan Hasam, V'china yisomim lo yifru ela b'shvua. So too, I will say, when yisomim, orphans collect, they also could only collect with a shvua. So I will say, what's the case? Miman. Who are orphans collecting from? Ilei if you want to say that the orphans are coming, right? So, we'll say, so in this case, Ruvain died, left behind orphans, and there's money owed to Ruvain. There's money owed to Ruvain. So now the Yarshim, the Ruvain's inheritors, are coming to collect the debt owed to their father. So now you're going to tell me what? That Allah, when the Yarshim come to collect from the borrower, from the Lova, they can only collect with a Shavuah? If Ruvain were to come to collect from the Lova, he would be able to collect without a shvua. They both say, why can he collect without a shvua? Because what does he have? What does he have? A loan document, the shtar. So if Reuven could collect without a shvua, why would his kids, his yarshim, need a shvua in order to collect? Ella, halkar, what it means to say. It's very interesting. They both say, this is very interesting. If orphans are collecting from orphans, meaning what they both say. So imagine the following situation. Reuven lent money to Shimon. Right, so now again, Ruvain dies, Shimon dies. Ruvain's heirs come to collect from Shimon's heirs. So what's Talacha? Even though again, Ruvain's heirs have a document, they still require what? A Shavua. In line with the Halacha that any time you're collecting from Nikhse Yisumim, from the estate managed by Yisumim, you can only collect with the Shavua. Amr Rezeka Avra Yehuda, Lo Shar Elisha Amru, Yisumim Amar Lanu Abba Livisi Uparati. Tribal says, this is very interesting. When ultimately, again, is a shvua required? When the Yisomim say, our father told us it's true, that he borrowed, but he repaid already. Then, then ultimately, again, there's going to be a shvua required. Aval Amru, but if the Yisomim said, Amru lana Abba, lowly visi, lowly visi, the ultimate was to imagine for a moment that the heirs of Shimon say, our father said, he never borrowed money. He never borrowed money at all. Then what's Talacha? Af b'shvua lo yifru. Even if, even if, the heirs of Ruben the lender are willing to take a Shavua. Halach Lamai said they still can't collect from the estate. One second, where says, I'm asking for Rava. Adrava, I don't understand. Kala Omer lo Livisi, ka Omer lo Parati, dummy. They both say, is actually general law, right? The Halachas of borrowers 101, which is, 
If you go over to someone and you say you owe me money, and right, you have a star, and that person says, I never even borrowed. So I will say, saying I didn't borrow is the equivalent of saying what? I haven't repaid. So I will say, if at the end of the day, the Yisomim of the, of the borrower are saying, our father told us that he never even borrowed. Whoa, one second. And I will remember again, there's a star over here. So ultimately, again, saying I didn't borrow is the equivalent of saying I didn't repay. If that's the case, the heirs of the lender should be able to collect even without what? Even without a shua. To which Mar says, you're right. Here's how you have to say it. When do we say, when do we say that the Yisomim, right, that the heirs ultimately again of, that the heirs of the lender require a Shavuot to collect from the heirs of the borrower, that's only in a situation where the Yisomim of the borrower say, our father told us, Yes, he borrowed, but he paid back already. Okay, so now the heirs of the borrower are claiming, we'll call him Shimon. The heirs of Shimon, the borrower, the lover, are saying, our father told us he borrowed money from your, from your father, from Reuven, but he paid it back. Now again, remember, the heirs of Reuven, the lender, are saying, listen, we still have the star. So the fact that we have the star seems to indicate that your father did not pay back. Fine. So now the heirs of Reuven are going to have to take a shvua in order to collect from the heirs of Shimon. However, however, Amr lanu abali visi parat. I'm sorry, aval Amr aval Amru. But listen to this: if the heirs ultimately again of Shimon the borrower say, Amr lanu abal loli visi loli visi, our father never borrowed from your father at all. Then nifrain shelo b'shvua. Then the heirs of Reuven the lender could collect even without a shvua. Why? Shekala Omer Lolivisi ki Omer lo parati dami. Because we'll say anyone who says they didn't borrow is the equivalent of saying what? They haven't repaid. So we'll say, so bottom line, halokhalamaisa, here is the case. Here's the Erebosa. So again, here's the case. Ruvain lent Shimon money. Both Ruvain dies, Shimon dies. The heirs of Ruvain are now coming to collect the debt from the heirs of Shimon. So now what's Talokha? So if the heirs, if the heirs of Shimon say, yes, our father told us about the loan, but he claimed that he repaid it. So now what's Talacha? In order to extract repayment, Ruvain's heirs, the lender's heirs, are going to have to take a shvua, ultimately again to the borrower's heirs that they did not receive any kind of repayment. Okay? But if Halacha Lamaisa, what happens? That the heirs of the borrower, right? Shimon's heirs claim, our father never borrowed anything from you. Oh, you claim you didn't borrow, making a claim lowly visi is the equivalent of saying what? You haven't repaid. And in that case, the heirs of the lender, Ruvain, would be able to extract payment even without what? Even without the Shavua. But I'll say why, because what do they have in their hand? The loan document, the Shtar. Beautiful. So we'll say, next interesting case in the Mishnah was as follows. Following situation. Shalom B'fanav, I'll say, what's the case? I'm just reading to you the Mishnah. Okay, what's the case where a woman could extract payment? Shalom B'fanav, not in the presence of the husband. Halach lo l'medinas hayam, v'hi nefra'a shalom B'fanav, e'en nefra'a shalom B'fanav. I'll say, here's the case. Rachel, Rachel got divorced. Rachel got divorced. And what happened? What happened? She didn't get her ksuba payment. Now her ex, Ruvain, right, conveniently relocated overseas. So what's the halach? She calls the Beisdin. Basin says, okay, we will extract payment from you, but what? You have to take a shvua. And I will say, now what's the purpose of the shvua in this case? What's the purpose of the shvua? What's the purpose of the shvua? To make sure 
that she did not already receive repayment for a ksub. That's what we're concerned with. Remember, Ruben is not present. Ruben is not present, right? Ruben's overseas. So now she's claiming, I never got paid. We're based in, we're based in, we, we don't know. Did she get paid? Did she didn't get paid? The only way to clarify if she did not get paid is to impose a shvua upon her. If she swears that she never got paid, okay, then we'll, we'll, we'll extract money from the estate to go ahead and pay her ksuba. So let's go ahead. This says the Gemara, one time a situation came up from Rabbi Yitzchak and Antochia, but Amar, he said to us, Lo shanu el isha mishumchino, avabal chovlo. Rabbi Yitzchak said, this halacha that will extract payment from, from, a, from, a, from a debtor, so to speak, not in the presence of the debtor, only applies to ksuba, doesn't apply to any type of debt situation, right? Why dafka by ksuba? Shabbos say, you see that halacha l'maysa by ksuba, by ksuba, we have a vested interest in making sure that a woman feels secure financially. So therefore, again, a woman, if a woman knows, if a woman knows that when she gets divorced and her husband is a flight risk, she's not going to get paid her ksuba, that may make her reticent to enter into marriage. So what, how do we assure, how do we calm her? We tell her essentially, even if your husband is a flight risk and he runs away after divorce, it's okay. Basin will seize assets in order to go ahead and ensure that your ksuba is paid. But this does not apply in other cases of debt. So for example, Ruben lent Shimon money, right? And now ultimately again, time for, time for payment comes. Shimon runs away overseas. The Gemara says over here, or I should say, Ravacha, Rav, excuse me, Rav Yitzchak said, we will not seize assets of the debtor not in the presence of the debtor, in order to go ahead and satisfy his debt. We won't do that. Now watch this. not true. Even for a debtor, right? If the debtor, right? If the borrower fled, he's nowhere to be found. We will go ahead and seize his assets in order to go ahead and settle the debt. Why? I will say very simple. Because I will say, if we don't do that, what do we have to be concerned about? People are going to exploit this all the time. They're going to go ahead, borrow money. Borrow money and what? And what? Flee. Relocate. Relocate. And I will say, what's going to effectively be the result of that? The Noel Dallas Bifnei Lovin. See, I will say, remember again, as, we, as I mentioned this last week also, in general, right? Lending money as a Jew is already not financially advantageous, right? I'm not lending with interest. I'm not. So now, if Halach if Halach a person could borrow money, leave town, and Bezin is not going to seize any assets, then Lamaisa, what's going to happen? You're going to totally destroy the loan market. Because people will just say, why should I ever lend money if very simply a person could escape paying their debt by simply relocating somewhere else? Therefore, I will say, Allah Lamaisa, Rabbi says, no. Bezin, just like Bezin intervenes in the case of a husband who left town, will seize assets to pay the ksuba, the same halacha applies to a debt as well. And if the borrower left town, ultimately, again, will seize assets in order to pay off his debt. I will say that is indeed the halacha l'maysa. Good. say this is interesting. So remember again, the end of the Mishnah, the end of the Mishnah ended off with a statement of, with a statement of Reb Shimon. Right? And what did Reb Shimon say? Reb Shimon said the following, just to quote Reb Shimon said, any time that she claims her ksuba, ultimately again her heirs, her heirs will administer. I'm sorry, not her heirs. The yarshim of the estate 
will administer a shvua. If she does not go ahead and claim her ksuva, then what? Ultimately, the heirs, the heirs will not go ahead and administer a shvua. Okay. I will say the problem we have is we do not know what Rabbi Shimon is commenting on. Well, what, what is that statement going on? Here we go. Here, here we go. Rabbi Shimon Ahayo. What is Rabbi Shimon going on? In other words, what, which, which part of the Mishnah is he commenting on? So here we go. I'm Rabbi Yermia. Aho. He's commenting on the following case. He's commenting on the immediately preceding case. Namely, that Allah if she wants to go ahead and get paid out her ksuba from the estate and her husband is not present, what's the halacha? She can only collect with a shvua. The Gemara says, Lo mizoni, This is true, by the way, whether she wants to extract money for mazonas for ksuba. So remember again, when a woman is widowed, specifically in the case of widowed, halacha lemaisa, she is supported by the estate. She receives mazonas from the estate. Now, when does she receive mazonas from the estate until? Until she claims her ksuba. Once she claims her ksuba, mazonos ends, she gets paid out the ksuba, and that's it. So listen to this. The Gemara is saying, this halacha, when she wants to extract money from the estate and the husband, and let's say, no one's, well, there's no one there now, right? It's halacha, whether for mazonos or for ksuba, when she wants to extract money, she's going to require a shavua. Right? Even for mazonos, she requires a shavua. So the Gemara says, no, so Rabbi Shimon comes along and says, no, no, no. So according to Tanakhama, listen to this, according to Tanakhama, Rachel is widowed. Now she wants to extract from the estate either Ksuva or Mazonos. Tanakhama will say, whenever a woman wants to extract something from the estate, the only way to do that is how? Is how? With a Shavuah. Even for her own Mazonos. Now both say, it doesn't mean she's going to have to go ahead and swear every single time she wants money from Mazonos from this, because that's an ongoing process. But it means the first time, the first time, before she goes ahead and gets money from the estate, ultimately again for Mazonos, she is going to have to take a shua that there's been no prior payment. Comes on Rabshin and Rabshin is disagree. says, no, no, no. The only time a woman has to swear when it comes to the estate is when? For ksuba purposes. For ksuba. I write, however, but if myself, she's not claiming her ksuba, even though she's claiming what? Mizonos, ein yarshin mashpian osa. The yarshin do not have the ability to impose the shvua. And therefore, according to this approach, according to this approach, the machlokis Rabbi Shimon, Rabbi Shimon and the Tanakamo is the machlokis of Hanan. And the Bnei Kohanim Gidol. So I'm going to have to do a little bit more research on this. I, I don't know who this is. The Bnei Kohanim Gidolim. Like, who, 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 who is this? Who are these people? Again, I didn't have a chance to do it last night, but I'm actually going to look into this today. Bnei Kohanim Gidolim. This is not. What's their Machlok? Okay, so here we go. Mishalach Lomadina Sayam. If a man went overseas, and what happens? He forgot to leave support for his wife. Okay, it says a lot about their marriage, right? It says a lot about this guy. But Lamaisa, again, he went overseas, he was very busy, right? He went overseas, he forgot to leave Mizonos for his wife. So what's Talacha? Now his wife comes to Bezdin and is claiming Mizonos. What's Talacha? Hanan Amar Tishaba Basof, below Tishaba Betchila. So Hanan says, no, 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 she doesn't have to take a Shvua. In other words, she always takes a Shvua at the end. We'll say at the end means when she claims her Ksuva. A woman does not have to take a shvua when claiming mizonos. 
And the sons look on Gedol, disagree with Hanan, and they said, No, 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 any time a woman is extracting money from the estate of her husband, it requires a Shavua. And therefore, Rabbi Shimon ki Hanan, Rabbi Shimon Rabbi was like Hanan, According to this first view of the Machlokas, Rabbi Shimon is disagreeing on Tanakhama the following point. Tanakhama holds, any time a woman is taking a draw against the estate, that always requires Shavua. So in the Mishnah's case, in the Mishnah's case, Halachal Rachel, Rachel was widowed, Ruvain died. She's claiming the Zonos from the estate. Tanakhama says, Tanakhama says, Shavua. You have to take a shvua if you're claiming money against the estate. Right? At the end of the day, at the end of the day, comes on Rabbi Shimon, and Rabbi Shimon says, No, the only time your chayiv shvua is when? Is when? When you're claiming your ksuva. That's the machlokas. So Rabbi Shimon says, Rabbi says as follows Amar, Amar, Maskev, I'm sorry, Askel Rashesh says, Here's the problem with that interpretation. Hai yarshin mashbiyan osa, bezdin mashbiyan osa, mibayle. We'll say here's the problem. Here's the problem with the Mishnah. Here's the problem with that version. The lashon of the Mishnah Rabosai is Kozma, Rabbi Shimon says Kozman she tovas ksuvasa yarshin mashpiyanosa. Anytime she claims a ksuva, the yarshin imposes shvua. According to this approach, it shouldn't say yarshin. What should it say? It should say based it. Because remember again, what's the case? The way you just set it up, the case is where she's coming to based in to claim mizonos. So it's not the Yarshim are imposing the Shavua, it's based in. So therefore, again, that can't be the interpretation. Therefore, I will say another interpretation. Okay, and I will say, remember, keep your eye on the ball. We're just trying to figure out, Rabbi Shimon is disagreeing with the Tanakhama, right, with the previous, with the Rabban and the Mishnah. We're just trying to figure out which case is he disagreeing in. So here we go. El Amar of Sheshes, Aha. Right, he's disagreeing in the following case. If a woman literally left the grave of her husband and went back to her father's home, which is an expression. In other words, they're both saying, she goes from, from, from death of her husband back to her father's home. Or, oh, she goes back to her father-in-law's home, but, he'll say, but, she does not assume any level of financial responsibility for the estate. Right? So she has not assumed, so she, she's not managing the affairs of the estate. What's that? What did the Mishnah say? The Yarshim cannot impose any type of Shavua upon her. If she does become the Apetropia, the executor of the estate, then what? The Yarshim ultimately could what, Rabosai? Could administer an oath going forward. But they cannot impose a Shavua on what was, on the past. Okay, that was the Tanakama. Therefore, Vasar Bishim the Mayor Shimon comes along and says, No, calls Mashe Tavask Subasa Yarshin Mashpiano so Aina Tavask Subasa Ain Hayarshim Mashpiano so listen to Sabah say. Rabbi Shimon says, No, not true. Even if she's the Apatropis, right? Now, even if she's the executor of the estate, the Yarshim cannot impose a shvu upon her, not only for past transactions, but also for future transactions. Because the only time Yarshin can impose a shvua upon the widow is when? Is when? When she is coming to collect her ksuba. That's it. That's it. Any other time, even if she's handling the financial affairs of the state, the estate, the Yarshin cannot go ahead and impose a shvua upon her. And therefore, I was according to this approach, 
According to this approach, the machlokes is the machlokes of Abashon the Rabbanon. What's the machlokes? Here we go. This nine, Apetropis Shemino Avi Somim. We'll say the father, right before he passed away, <coughs> before he passed away, appointed an executor of the estate. So we'll say what's the halacha? So Yishava, he has to take an oath. He writes it that he's dealt correctly with the estate. On the fir- on the other hand, that's if he's appointed by the father. Me no Beisdin lo Yishava. If he's appointed by the Beisdin, ultimately again he does not have to take an oath. So the Gemara says, I don't understand. Abishal, Abishal, Amar Abishal says Chilufadar. No, just the opposite. Me no Beisdin Yishava. If he's appointed ultimately by the Beisdin, he is obligated in fact to go out and take a Shavua. Me no Avi Yisomim lo Yishava. If he's appointed by the father, ultimately again he does not need to take an oath. So say we would say, Rabbi Shimon Kabashal, Rabbi Shimon holds like Abashal, but Rabbanon Kirabanon, and the Rabbanon holds like Rabbanon, which makes sense. So Maskitla Abaye Abaye says, here's the problem with that. Kai, Kozma Shetavas Ksuba, Lashon of the Mishnah shouldn't be any time she claims the Ksuba, rather, what should it say? In Tova Asmi Baile. It should say, if she claims the Ksuba, I was say, if you're making this, so say, just to be clear, in this version of the Machlokes, in this version, what, what's happening over here? What's happening in this version? In this version, we're saying like this. The Machlokes is, what happens if she becomes the executor of the estate? Do the Soman have the right to, to impose a Shavu upon her? The Tanakama says, yes. Rabbi Shimon says, no. Because Rabbi Shimon will say, the only time that you Soman have the ability to impose a Shavu upon the widow is when? Is when? When she's coming to collect the Ksuva. But under any other circumstance, they do not have the right. Here's the problem. If that's the case, then the Lashon of the Mishnah shouldn't read any time she collects the Ksuv. Rather, what should it read? Im tovahas mi boile. It should read, ultimately, if she comes to claim her Ksuva, ultimately they can impose a Shavuah. So, so therefore, again, we're back to square one. And I will say, we have a very simple mission, which we have not yet accomplished, which is, what case is Rabbi Shimon commenting on? Therefore, switching gears again. Abai says, Aha. He's coming to comment on the following case. If a man says to his wife, I have no nether or shvu against you. So in this case, he frees her. We has, right, he frees her from any nether and shvu. Right? This was, this was the, the previous Mishnah. Right, Neder, right, Neder, Neder and Shvoi. So giving Mar says, what's happening over here? Because uh, of Lot, Neder or Shvoi in the Allah. So husband writes to the wife, puts in writing, I have no Neder or Shvoi on you. So what's that? In the Yochanash So he cannot administer a Neder or a Shvoi to her. Now watch this. Neder or Shvoi in the below Liarshi, below Liarshi, below the Bible Birshu Si Allah. Now husband expands that and he says, just like I have no nether shavu upon you, none of my heirs or descendants can have any nether or shavu upon you as well. And then he says, right? V'lo lebo'in b'rishusi alayich v'al yarshayich v'al abo'in b'rishusich. So we'll say, and then he expands it. So I, I have no nether shavu upon you or any of your descendants, nor do my descendants have any nether shavu upon you or any of your descendants. What's talacha? What's talacha? He has no ability to impose a shvu upon her. Furthermore, lohu v'lo yarshav v'lo abayin birshusa lohi v'lo yarsha v'lo abayin v'lo abayin birshusa. So I will say. So the halacha is like this. The halacha is like this. A man makes. Let's go with the most expansive form of this commitment. A man puts in writing. 
right? Ruben puts it right to Rachel. Rachel, I have no nidarim against you, right? No nidarim or shvuas against you, or against your offspring, or against your offspring's offspring for who knows how many generations, right? How many generations? I will say. Then what? And then he says, by the way, my offspring, my generations, right? So essentially, what he's doing is over here. There's a multi-generational tour, right? A multi-generational exemption. I, neither me nor any of my heirs could go ahead and impose a shvu or an enter upon you or any of your heirs. Beautiful, pretty straightforward case. Now, I will say. Now, what happens? Now, what happens? Rabbi Shimon, Rabbi Shimon comes along. Oh, Shimon comes along and says there is an exception. What's the exception? What's the exception? When Rachel claims her ksuba. When Rachel claims her ksuba, I will say the halacha is the Yarshim are permitted to go ahead and administer a shibua. That's the exception. Shabbos says it's incredible. See, even though, remember, what did Ruben put in writing? What did Ruben put in writing? What did he put in writing? I have no nether. I have no right to oppose a nether or shvuah upon you or any of your future generations, nor do any of my heirs have the ability to oppose. So for there, I will say, now I will say, watch this, watch this. So Ruvain dies. Ruvain dies. Rachel shows up to go ahead and collect her estate, to collect her ksuva, excuse me, to collect her ksuva from the estate. And what does she produce? What does she produce? This document that says that what? She could collect without a shvuah. So Tanakama says, okay. She's, she's got the document. There's nothing more to talk about. She's got the document. Therefore, halacha lamaisa again, she could collect her ksuva without a shvuah. Comes along Rabbi Shimon and says, no. No, this is the exception. This shvuah to collect ksuva from the estate was not covered by the p'tur. And even though, again, she's freed from every other nether in shvuah, she's not freed from the shvuah in order to enable her to collect the ksuva from the estate of the Asomim. Incredible. And this is coming, this is a throwback now. Throwback Machlokis. Who doesn't love throwback Machlokisim? A throwback to Daf Pezayin Amit Aleph. Rabosai, what happened on Pezayin Amit Aleph? What happened on Pezayin Amit Aleph? I don't remember five minutes ago, right? Let, let alone Pezayin Amit Aleph. Okay, but this is the good part of getting to prepare this year. So I actually underlined this. So Rabosai, remember again. On Pezayin Amad Aleph, we had a statement of Abishol ben Ima Miriam. Abishol ben Ima Miriam Mose said, Kevan, I'm just going to read it to you. <coughs> Kevan, de, be, bein, sorry, Bein Dolo Shvua, Bein Dinaki Mishua, Bein Dolo Neder, Bein Dinaki Neder, Bein Menichse, Bein Menachasya, Ilei Beinu, Bein Yershav, Amru Chachamim, Habba Lipar Menichse, Yisomim Lo Yifra. Mose, listen to this. So Abishol Miriam made the following statement. She said, there is a halacha. What's the halacha? What's the halacha? It's a rabbinic law. And what is the rabbinic law? If you come to collect from Nirse Yisomim, what do you need? What do you need? A Shavua. Chazal Institute, let's go back for a second. Why did Chazal Institute this? That whenever you come to collect from the estate, now owned by the orphans, you have to take a Shavua. Why? Why did they institute it? Well, say this was to protect the Yisomim. Remember again, Ruvain dies, leaves behind heirs. The heirs may very well not be versed in the affairs of their father's estate. So therefore, what's the concern? The concern is that they are easily exploitable. That's the concern. So how did Chazal ensure? I mean, you can't ensure anything. But how did Chazal at least take steps to try to prevent anyone from exploiting the Yisom? How do they do that? How do they do it? Shavua. So Shavua, remember again, Shavua says, Shavua says, people are going to think twice before exploiting. 
So I'm going to say, here's the clash. Here's the clash. So therefore, again, Abishol ben Miriam, Abishol ben Miriam, ben Ima Miriam, sorry, said the following. Even if a man makes an agreement with his wife, freeing her from any nidarim or shvuas, it doesn't take away the rabbinic obligation to swear before collecting from the estate. In other words, that halacha, you cannot make, you cannot make a side agreement to go ahead and undermine a halacha. And therefore, we'll say, even though he freed her from every other nether and shvuah, halacha lemaisa, the obligation to, to make a shvuah when you collect from nichse yisomim is still in effect. So we'll say, that's the machlokis. Here we go. So the Gemara says, kabashal, so I will say, that's what's unfolding over here as well. So therefore, I will say, in our Mishnah, what's unfolding? What's unfolding? Husband, while he was alive, Ruvain said to his wife, Rachel, Rachel, I hereby, I, I will not, I, I hereby exempt you from any neder and shibua. And, and that, that p'tur applies ultimately again to who? All of your descendants. And none of my descendants can go ahead and impose a neder or shibua as well. Fine. Fast forward. What happens? What happens? Ruvain dies. Rachel shows up at Bezdin to collect her ksuva, right? So what happens, Rabbi? Say, so the Yisomim, the Yisomim are saying to Bezdin, she has to take a shvua, right? Rachel's saying, what? what is Rachel saying? What is Rachel saying? I don't need a shvua. What does she produce? The document in which her, her, her ex, not her ex, her, her deceased husband said, I free you from every single nether and shvua. The Rabbanon say, listen, Ruven made the agreement, therefore Rachel can collect even without a shvua, even without a shvua. Comes along Rabbi Shimon about saying Rabbi Shimon says no. Rabbi Shimon says calls manchi tovask suvasa hayershin mashpiyanosa. Rabbi Shimon says no. That when he frees her from every never and shvua, that's true for every other neder and shvua except for the one that Chazal instituted when it comes to collecting from the estate of Yisomin. In that case, everyone has to take a shvua. That's the machlokes. Says the Gemara. Says the Gemara, Maskev for Papa. Here's the problem. Hatinach kozman she tovask suvasa, eina tovask suvasa ma'ikel meimar. Sebo says says the Gemara halacha lemaisa. That's fine. That's fine. Ultimately, again, when she's claiming her ksuva, I understand that's machlokes. What happens if she's not claiming her ksuva? Sebo says take a look at Rashi for just a moment. Hatinach kozman she tovask asala afuke midrabanon. The Amri Af Mishvuas Hayisomim Petura Benefras Velo Shvua Vasrei Bishimel Meimar Lo Tifra Lo Bishvua. So I understand if she's coming to claim the Ksuva, that's the Machlokas. However, Eino Tavas the Maskana the Milsa Lemai Tani LaAfuki Miman. Rabbi will say, what about? Here's the problem. What about in the case ultimately where she's not claiming her Ksuva? So Halacha LaMaisa again. How would we understand what is Rabbi Shimon coming to add? To which the Gemara says, you're right. Here we go, Rabbi say. Therefore, the Gemara says, Okay, what is Rabbi Shimon coming to argue on Rabbi Say? Rabbi Shimon is coming to argue on, on an earlier statement, Rabbi Say. He's coming to argue on Rabbi Lazar, Rabbi Lazar in the previous Mishnah. Rabbi Say, remember again, what was, what's Rabbi Lazar in the previous Mishnah? So Rabbi Say, this is going back a little bit. This is going back to Pei Vav Amud Beis. What happened on 86b? So I will say, this was the Mishnah, this was the Mishnah of a man who goes ahead and establishes his wife as the Chenbanis, right? She runs the family store. She runs the family store. Or she's in charge of the estate. What's the halacha? The Mishnah said, 
he can administer an oath upon her whenever she wants. In other words, since she's handling the financial affairs, he could impose a shvua upon her at any time to make sure that she's being honest. Rabbi Eliezer came along and said the truth is, even if she's not the apotropis, and even if she's not managing the family store, he can still impose a shvua upon her anytime. Why? Based on pilcha Alisasa, based on her spindle or her dough. Meaning, Rabbi Eliezer said, Rabbi Eliezer said, she's always in charge of certain financial aspects of the home. So because she's always in charge of certain financial items, therefore he can always impose a shvua upon her to make sure that she is remaining honest. So the Gemara is suggesting over here that Rabbi Shimon and our Mishnah is coming to dispute that entire piece. I'm going to say, take a look at Rashi. This is an important Rashi. Last Rashi, second last Rashi in the Daf. In the previous Mishnah, the Rabbanon and Rabbi Eliezer agree with this concept that if a woman has financial responsibility in the household of her husband, what could the husband do? What could the husband do? Impose the Shavuah when? 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 Whenever he wants. Whenever he wants. So again, it's a machlokis of when. In other words, according to the Rabbanon, if she's like in charge of the store, she's in charge of the finances, or she's the apitropis, the husband has a right to impose the shvua whenever he wants. Rabbi Eliezer takes that even further and says, even if she's not the apitropis, right? Even if she's not the, or, or running the store, but again, a woman always has certain financial matters under her control, even if it's just her spindle and her dough. And therefore, in this model, Rabbi Eliezer says, a husband could choose to say, take a shvua that you're not misappropriating assets. Comes along Rabbi Shimon. Rabbi Shimon says, absolutely not. Absolutely not. Finish Rashi. Finish Rashi. Comes along Rabbi Shimon. And Rabbi Shimon is coming to go ahead and fundamentally dispute and repudiate that previous model. Rabbi Shimon says, Rabbi Shimon says, it does not make any sense that a husband could just at his whim impose a shavua upon his wife. Doesn't make any sense. Right? What kind of marriage is that? What kind of setup is that? Rather, what is Rabbi Shimon Abbasa coming along to say? Rabbi Shimon is saying, there's only one time that a white husband, so to speak, could impose a shavua. And when is that shavua? When is that shavua? When she comes to collect her ksuba. That halacha says when he can impose the shvua. But outside of that, outside of that, there is no mechanism ultimately again for the imposition of shvua upon the wife. So therefore, we'll say, bottom line, bottom line, that is the maskana as to the statement of Rabbi Shimon. So interestingly enough, Rabbi Shimon is actually, his statement is actually not going on any part of our Mishnah. But rather, again, his statement is really going on the previous Mishnah on Peivav Amadbez, which set up a model that a husband can impose a shvu upon his wife as long as she has any level of financial, what's the word? Um, responsibility. Responsibility. Right? If she has any level of financial responsibility, rather, whether she's running the family business or just her own stuff, her spindle and her dough, you can impose a shvu. Rabbi Shiva says, absolutely not. 
The only time you can impose a shuvah ultimately is when is halacha la when she comes to go ahead and collect your shuvah. Now both sides. So first of all, so what is the halacha la So the truth is, there's a lot of halacha la I just want to isolate three points. Number one, Rabbi that there is a dindir abanon that whenever you come to collect from the estate of Yisomim, you have to do so with a shuvah. And the way you pass in Rabbi is, even if a husband freed his wife from any other neder and shuvah, it doesn't matter who you are or what you've been exempted from. If you are coming to collect from the estate of Yisomim, you can only do so with what? With a shuvah. That's Allah Kamaisa number one. Shabbos say, we do paskin that if a wife is running a business, right, that the, that the husband does have the ability ultimately to go ahead and impose a shuvah, but only in certain circumstances. So again, those halachas are a bit more involved, so we're not going to get into them now. But bottom line, we do pass like Rabbi Shimon, namely, that whenever she is coming to life from the estate of the Yisomim, she can only do so with a shvuah. Rabbi Osai, shkoyach. Okay, good. Good to that. Baruch Hashem. Baruch Yisrael. Jerry, Moshe Ben Sion. So good to see you, Rapal. Good to see him. Rapal's not in Eretz Yisrael. But, all right, mamish, mamish, mamish. Incredible. The chilek in being in Eretz Yisrael with the two of you. Have a great day, everyone.